On this episode of Resi Week, Snap AV buys Volutone, seven evolving luxury trends, and dealing with takeover AV projects. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 146, Hub and Spoke. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation, and by HD Base T. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AVNation.TV. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Bob Archer. He is the senior editor of CE Pro. How are you, sir? Good, and yourself? I'm doing great. Then we have my longtime friend, Stephen Bronner. He's the president of Pro Audio Joja. How you doing, bud? Outstanding. Outstanding. And the unfortunate soul who was there when Stephen and I met and fell in friendship <laughs> love, Andre Lalonde. He is our uh, one of our consistent industry experts. How are you, my friend? I'm still looking for the snow camel, but besides that, we're doing great. Man, I'd love a snow camel. Because then it would mean we'd have a ton of snow, and that would be good. So let's kick off uh, a conversation that revolves around Southern California and Vegas as we talk about snow. Snap AV, if you missed the news uh, last week, acquires Volutone as part of a local strategy. Uh, Snap AV has been doing this as of uh, late. Uh, they picked up AllNet earlier this year. Uh, supposedly got a tremendous response out of that and continues down this local path, acquiring Volutone. They have seven locations in uh, Southern California up through Las Vegas area. The, the couple of key things is they will retain their name, location, teams, and policies moving forward. And we'll take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but they are also going to maintain both Snap AV products as well as uh, the Volutone website and uh, <clears throat> or, or sorry, Snap AV products will be available through the Volutone website and they're going to maintain their existing uh, product offerings that Volutone had. So Bob, I want to start with you on this. Um, we're continuing to see this, this trend of large distributors, uh, specifically ones that have mainly had an online presence. They continue to buy these local distributors and expand their, you know, bricks and motor, their, their local locations. Why, why do we keep seeing this? I think it's simply to make their products more accessible to more dealers in more ways. Um, coincidentally, I was down in North Carolina last week visiting with Snap AV, and they were kind of explaining to me um, some of their motivation behind all of this. And, and simply, it comes down to, if dealers want to physically walk up to a uh, one of their uh, storefronts, we'll call it, they can simply walk in and get an Arachnus router or, or whatever they need, binary cables, whatever product line that we're talking about. They, they want to be more accessible to more dealers. Very good. Stephen, when you see this type of news, um, don't know if you're a big Snap AV dealer, don't really care. Um, but there is something to be said for, you know, as Bob alluded to, normally if you needed an Arachnus um, router or, uh, you know, a Sunbright TV or, or any of the products, an episode speaker, that, you know, they're really quick. You could put in your order. You could get it next day. Sometimes that's not good enough. 
as a dealer, what do these kind of changes mean for you when, say, your local uh, distribution house gets purchased by a larger company? So we went through that here in Atlanta uh, many years ago when Custom Audio was bought by Avid. And then Avid was bought by Ingram Micro. Um, so I don't really care. Like you said, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm, I'm not a Snap AV dealer per se, but what, uh, what I will say is that whenever these big companies start buying these smaller companies, inevitably you lose that small, that relationship that you have. So that's what happened here with Avid was we lost the relationship. Um, what I will say is, is that if you, if, if you're watching this and you work for snap AV or whatever, don't destroy the relationships because I was doing a ton of business with Avid and um, the guys that were there that were there when it was custom audio and then Avid, Avid got bought by Ingram micro. They started doing this hub and spoke and all these different corporate structures. And next thing you know, everybody, you know, in the company is gone. Just and it's like, where did everybody go? So I don't care that these companies are buying. I think it's very interesting. There are brands that Volutone carries that Snap AV didn't carry. So now I wonder if all of those brands are going to pop up on Snap AV's website. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's also an interesting spin on this for a business aspect is now that the, the fast shipping and the availability and the website that you had with Avid, I mean, with, um, with Volutone, and Snap AV, now all that combines and you're gonna be able to get all those brands under one umbrella. I think it's a win for Snap AV dealers uh, across the board. I just hope it's not a loss for volume tone. Very good. Andre, the biggest thing that I really pulled out of this was not that they're going local, that they're doing all these other things, but that they're going to maintain uh, the existing dealer relation, or I'm sorry, not dealer, but vendor relationships. They're going to be stocking what they've always stocked and then adding a bunch of Snap AV products as well. What is, what is the driving factor between or with them doing that opposed to just, you know, come in and say, Hey, we've got a lot of duplicity here. We're just going to maintain our lines. Well, first of all, let me, I want to congratulate Trevor and his dad and the rest of the team um, over there because they've done an absolutely amazing job with Volutone. It's nice to see that the Volutone name will continue and that level, that special family level of customer service that they've been, that they're notoriety, you know, they have a notoriety for is going to continue. I think ultimately what it comes down to is now, now you'll be able to buy Snap AV things and devices inside of their will calls, inside of their shopping center type of thing that they have. They have some of their store, their store in Van Nuys, for example, Volutone is more of a shopping type of environment. You literally walk around with a little shopping cart, you throw things in your box and then you check out. And meanwhile, there are advisors all the way around that can help you answer any type of questions. So I think it's more about the adding of uh, Snap AV product lines to the Volutone shopper versus taking the lines from Volutone, which may or may not be Relate, uh, tied to back to Snap AV. So this is more about a one plus one in the field, not necessarily a one plus one back in the cloud or back in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. 
Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro, Seven Evolving Trends for Upscale Brands in 2019. The Luxury Institute report just released this. Uh, there's a couple big things that we'll, we'll kind of gloss over really quickly. If you want to read it, check out the article online. Uh, essentially, big brands or big luxury brands want alpha growth. Legacy luxury brands will lose a value. New luxury brands are in the tech sector, which is interesting to us. And luxury brands will invest in their people as affluent customers are starting to lose trust in social media. Um, you know, let, let's kick this right off with Steven. I, I wanted to kind of start with you on this. Um, you're the one integrator on the show today. When you start to see these types of re, uh, reports, right, that luxury brands and, and luxury buyers are changing and evolving, is this something that your luxury clients, because, you know, I've known you a long time, I, I know some of your clientele. Is this something that you actually see with your customers, with your luxury high-end customers? Are they seeing legacy brands and, and devaluing them? Are they looking for tech luxury brands? What, what are you seeing here? Here's the interesting thing that I'm seeing. Uh, there's no such thing as a tech luxury brand right now. All the tech that we're seeing right now that people are reading about is all consumer grade stuff. When you think of a, in our industry, when we think of a luxury brand, whether it be accurate or inaccurate, we think about things like Macintosh, Focale, uh, things like those kind of brands where it's not something you can walk into a Best Buy and pick up. So when you talk about tech luxury brands, it's very interesting because to most people, a tech luxury brand is Apple. You know, you look at a premium priced product that people look at and they kind of want. Uh, there's some virtual reality stuff, augmented reality stuff coming out that's kind of on the cutting edge. Uh, when I read this article, I thought it was very interesting. And yes, I agree with the article 100%. The new generation that's coming up that's, uh, that has the, the funding and has the resources to buy this equipment, um, they really couldn't possibly care less about Macintosh. Um, they, what they're interested in is brands that they, that they recognize as tech leaders. Uh, so whenever you talk about somebody, uh, an, an amplifier company or a speaker company, they're not as interested in that. But when you start talking about companies for control or experiences, uh, so when you talk about simulations, uh, I've just sold a, um, a shooting simulator to one of my clients. Uh, it's a it's a shooting simulator, even though he tells his wife it's just a golf simulator. So um, <laughs> uh, it's it's really awesome. Um, you know, she doesn't know that feature exists yet, uh, so she'll know soon. But the um, you know, my point is is that that's the kind of tech that whenever we start talking to clients, they're into luxury brands they don't really care about the same luxury brands that we're used to talking about. You know, if somebody called me and they said, Oh, I've got some Lingendorfs and you, you need to come check these out. I would be all over that where these people, they don't, they don't care. So I think we're missing two things there. There are really no established luxury technology brands. I think the closest one would be Tesla, whether that's misplaced or not is your opinion. Uh, but, uh, I would say that brands like Tesla and then, uh, other than that, maybe Apple, I, I, I just can't seem to find one, but I agree with the article, almost everything it says. Very good. 
Andre, when, when you read this, one of the things that, that stuck out to me that I wanted to ask you about was this new concept of a fourth uh, you know, distribution channel. Um, specifically, they're referring to it as consumer to consumer, uh, which is like an app, an app-based piece of software that's allowing uh, customers to recommend things and you know, see something in an Instagram post that I posted and you can buy it directly from that post. When you start to read about that, we've had our traditional, you know, three verticals of, of, you know, sales distribution forever. Do you see this as something that can take off in that luxury channel? Uh, absolutely. And if you don't believe me, I think there's the, um, one of the sisters that are very famous on, on, on lifetime TV. I keep it just like, um, it just eluded on me, but bottom line is the power of the five-star community, the power of being able to go on up and recommend brands and position certain brands and people using certain brands. And it's the, I want to be like me type of brand. And therefore that is a, definitely a new channel that I think, uh, you know, experienced marketeers, especially those going after this upper echelon customer are definitely going to want to uh, be attracting. So yeah, I do see it as a new channel. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a very large channel. It'd be clearly a niche type play, but ultimately it does have its merits and definitely is going to have some legs for some of these very, very, very spe specific type of brands that are, you know, geared towards the upper echelons. Very good. Bob, w when you see this and, and you can happily throw uh, your, your coworker there, Jason, under the bus on this one, but when you... <laughs> When you see this, and this way we'll find out if Jason watches my show when he's not on it, um, how do integrators take advantage of these types of surveys? This has a lot of really good information, but even as an integrator myself, I look at this and go, okay, now what do I do with this? How do I, how do I leverage this to change my marketing, my sales strategy? It, what do I do with this? Well, I think, first of all, it varies on how sophisticated the dealer is and how well he understands these numbers to be able to turn it into uh, appropriate marketing materials. I think specifically with this, this study, we, we have to keep in mind, and I think it was Stephen that was saying that about the brand awareness, um, I, I think we have to uh, be aware of the fact simply that most consumer electronics brands, other than Bose, Sony, Samsung, Apple, really don't have um, that level of consumer awareness. It's one thing for a BMW or, or a brand like that, uh, Lexus, you, you know, automotive brands like that, or some other brands um, to be able to leverage, you, you know, their brand identity. But uh, the consumer electronics market is still trying to aspire to those kind of levels. So I, we're, we're not there yet. And we won't be able uh, to get there until we start educating the public on what some of these brands are that we offer consumers. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's go to our next story of the day. This is uh, coming from our site, AV Nation. Um, an AV takeover, the Olin Mansion. If you don't know, uh, Joe Whitaker from the Thoughtful Home is a, a fairly consistent guest on our show. He's a good friend of ours. Um, and, and Tim, who we work with, got to get out there and uh, take a look at this project that uh, Joe and his team at the Thuffle Home took over. Read through it. It's a really interesting read. Uh, but essentially what happened is uh, an integrator came in, did a bunch of work. Maybe some of it was subpar, uh, et cetera. 
but Joe and his team were able to come in, as Stephen gives me, maybe. Um, Joe and his team were able to come in and, you know, really give it a complete overhaul, fix everything, get everything moving. Andre, I want to start with you on this. Um, we've all done this. We've all walked into a project where somebody's screwed it up, didn't meet expectations, maybe wasn't qualified, maybe was overqualified. Long and short, there were problems. And your customers come to you as an editor to come in and fix this. What do you as an integrator need to do when you walk into these kind of situations to protect yourself? Because there's always going to be problems that, you know, either can't be budgeted for to be properly corrected uh, or just unknown hidden things that you're going to come across that neither yourself nor the client is prepared for. How do you protect yourself when you walk into these messes? I think the first thing is to try to keep it just like any other project, right? Really do your due diligence and really try to get a better understanding of what the consumer was expecting, what they were wanting, what was the original purpose of it, and try to understand what solution was put into place and really try to try to see where these two aren't matching together, right? What was it? Is it a question of unrealistic expectations and therefore the dealer is not really? Is it a question of the solutions that were put into place? Was there budget pressure? Right, so really try to do your the root cause analysis without driving the other dealer under the bus, without obviously driving the consumer under the bus, without trying to drive yourself under the bus, right? It's really get a better understanding, take a look at this, and almost consider it like a brand new project. Yeah, there happens to be some plumbing. Great. Let's take a look at this and let's see how we can make this better. And then maybe try to educate the consumer along the way, especially if the really the root cause was more there, you know, out, out, outstanding, uh, uh, you know, requirements versus common sense. Very good, Bob. W- when you see projects like this and, and you read about them, the the biggest thing that always comes into my head is how do you put that client at ease? Because it's not it, it's not the same as when you get called out to a brand new project, as Andre alluded to. That client already has issues. They already usually will have some form of trust issue uh, with any integrator that comes in, no matter how good you or in this case, uh, Joe and the Thoughtful Home team was, how do you come in and put that client at ease? And I think it's probably a, uh, a two-step process. It's really many steps, but probably the two most important things are one, to document everything. So uh, that enables the, the other half of this, which would be to uh, be as communicative as possible. If you're as clear and transparent and communicative as possible with the client. Hopefully there's no surprises other than what they find behind the walls that some dealer did that you're trying to fix now. Mm -hmm. Very good. Steven, again, as the integrator today, um, you and I, we've, we've talked about this off air. We've, (laughs) we've talked about walking into projects where we've pulled out hair. um, Some of us more than others, as we can see, Uh, but you know, we've been there when you're walking into something like this, what's going through your mind and how do you plan to approach these kind of projects? Uh, first and foremost, there is never a reason to lose your professionalism. Uh, there is never a reason to trash another integrator. If you're on the project, they've done that well enough on their own. So when you walk in, there's no reason to walk around going, man, he should have done this, or man, he should have done that, or can you believe they did this or that, or I've, I have found that that is very common when I'm working with integrators 
Uh, I do a lot of consulting. I, I do a lot of cleanup work. So I'm actually very prepared for this conversation. <laughs> and the, the one thing that I tell people is um, what's happened in the past is in the past. I, I agree. I agree with what uh, Andre said. You know, you treat it like a new project. You, you walk in and you're there to clean up a mess. The client's already upset. There's no reason to drag that out. The, you don't know what happened with the other integrator. I'm going to be honest with you. Half the time, if not more, it's not the integrator's fault. It is a budgetary issue. It's unreasonable expectations. It's uh, they, got a, they, they got a champagne taste on a beer budget, and they're trying to make things happen that they can't afford. So they get frustrated with the integrator because they keep giving them the truth. They want a second opinion. Anytime you walk in to clean up a job, and uh, sometimes it's just terrible work, and, and that's part of the industry. But when you walk in to clean up a job, the first and foremost thing that I tell all the guys that I work with is, what happened before you got here is none of your business. You are there to make things right, to make the client happy, and to give them the experience they're looking for. You're not there to prejudge what the other person did. You're not there to even talk about that. That stuff's in the past. And that's the number one tip I give people because clients, even a negative client, feeds off of negativity. So if you're negative, they're going to be negative. But they also feed off of positivity. So if you come in and you say, hey, we're here, we're going to make this house an amazing experience. Um, you know, I hate that you had a bad experience before, but you won't have that this time. Tell me what you want to do with your system. Tell me the lifestyle. Tell me what you're trying to accomplish. Instead of sitting down and going, hey, how many speakers do you want? Stop talking about the equipment. Come in and go, tell me what kind of experience you want in your system. And it totally changes the conversation because a lot of guys, especially ones that do terrible work, they don't understand that it's not about boxes. Um, and as soon as you come in and start talking about experiences and aesthetics and things like that, I have sold really big systems and never once talked about how many speakers or what boxes we were using or anything. So like I said, let that stuff go in the past. Do not come in trashing other integrators. It's a bad look on you and it's a bad look on the industry. Very good. I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from the New York Times, how to tell if those Black Friday deals are actually worth buying. I'd say probably not. Uh, no. Bob, <laughs> Bob, I want to start with you on this. Um, everybody seems to, you know, be aware of Black Friday. They follow it. They know what's going on. When it comes to home theater professionals, everybody within our channel, is there value or, or do we just get lost in the noise trying to market something? Like I, I know for myself and my company, the one thing that we always get pushed is, you know, hey, do a Sonos thing because Sonos always does these big Black Friday things. How do we not get lost in the noise, or do we just give up on that type of marketing? You know, I would really question the value of trying to compete with Black Friday. There are some big retailers doing Black Friday specials, and it can, it can be frustrating, but you look at uh, a retailer like REI, they've completely pulled out of um, Black Friday, and they're telling people to go hiking literally go take a hike. So, um, you know, I, I think if a dealer is looking to do something like that to uh, grow their sales during the holidays through holiday promotions and, or something like that, 
um, maybe something online may be better, you know, maybe try to leverage um, Cyber Monday or something um, and promote their website at the same time. Very good. Steven, I, I knew as soon as I mentioned it, you were going to give me a hard time. But the, the question I had for you was, when we look at this, when we look at Black Friday, it's not uncommon. Mine started last night. I have clients texting me saying, hey, I saw this. Should I buy this? And, you know, we have that conversation. But how, how should dealers prepare to deal with potentially that onslaught of clients seeing stuff and, and wanting to know, hey, what should I get? I love it. I 100% love it because you know what that means? That means that as soon as they saw something with technology built in, the first thought they had was, I'm going to call the expert. That is exactly what every single person in our industry should be hoping for. If you make it past Black Friday and you don't get any calls from your clients, you suck. That's basically the, that's the gist of it. If you, if you make it that far and your clients are not calling you, asking you questions, you suck and you, you have yourself to blame. So it, it like, I, and I also embrace it. Um, I have clients that I know that are looking for a TV for a media room. I have three of them right now. So what did I do? LG just put their 86 inch LED TV on sale for $2,500. $2,500. So what did I do? I called those clients, all three of them. And I said, Hey, you know what? The LG just put the TV that I was recommending to you for your game room or, or whatever on sale for $2,500. It's $2,000 off. Go buy it. And they'll say, well, Stephen, I'd rather get it from you. All three of them have said that. Stephen, I'd rather get it from you. Well, we get the same deals that Best Buy gets. So I sold them. I sold three of those TVs to clients that had no clue the sale was going on. For $2,500, we made four or $500 off each TV. And, but they loved it because I saw a sale and I knew that it fit their needs. And instead of trying to push them expensive boxes, I gave them what they needed and they got a discount on it. So the next time they need something and I go, well, Jim, or well, Robbie, that's going to be eight grand. Well, maybe they were expecting six grand, but when they hear eight grand and they know that it, I'm not the guy that rips them off. Now I don't have to answer those questions. It's, hey, Stephen, go ahead. If you say that's what it is, that's what it is. So you need to embrace those phone calls. Do not dodge those phone calls. Uh, Black Friday shopping day, I get probably 20 to 30 phone calls every year on a good year. That's on a slow year. People that are out, they're buying stuff. They're at Home Depot. They're, they're at Best Buy. They're wherever, and they're seeing these electronics, and they want to know, should I buy this? Should I buy this? Man, that is the biggest compliment anyone can give you to know what your profession is and to respect you enough to make you the first phone call they make. Very good. And, and you know, that example is the exact amount of trust that we're trying to garner with our clients. Andre, I'll give you the last word on this. Are Black Friday shoppers, are they really our clientele? Well, I guess that answer is it depends. Uh, in most cases, I would say probably you are so not. Canadian. <laughs> I am so Canadian, but the reality. So look, the reality is this: Who doesn't want to save money, right? Who doesn't want to be taking a look at the latest technology? And let's face it: 
if there's one thing Black Friday has done extremely well, whether you be in the UK or in Canada, which technically really doesn't have a Black Friday, but they do now, thanks to the US, and of course the US, is now we're talking about technology and we're talking about new solutions and all this stuff is Andre, coming to the surface. Yes, sir. Andre, if it's a US thing, you can't say about technology, I have to say about technology. <laughs> points even though your bulldogs suck but anyway uh it's <laughs> notice t for temple uh, so here's the reality of this it's created people are talking people are calling steve and people are calling matt people are asking me as an industry person hey is this a good deal is this what it is it's giving the opportunity for our dealers to actually go and maybe save a couple of bucks Stephen, you just brought up a really good example right hey tell you what i'll go pick them up for 2500 and i'll charge you 3000 to do the install and whatever else great you save some money you still got that customer you're still making more profit i'll go buy those 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 amazon devices for 29 dollars each instead of paying 49 dollars you know what if they sit on my truck for a whole two weeks big deal this is awesome because now i'll be able to sell them for 30 or 49 dollars or i'll appear to be the big guy and basically look i got them for 29 bucks i'll give them to you anyway it helps the consumer save money. It helps the dealer save money. It helps the entire industry. And by the way, this Saturday is called Small Business Saturday. If you're a dealer and you're not using Small Business Saturday to your advantage, basically say, look, it's not about the big sales. It's about who I am, the knowledge that I have, the white gloves that I'm providing, and how I can pull all this magic together. My name is Steven. How are you, right? Welcome to the 12-step program of Black Friday. Very good. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. We had a fantastic show. Bob, if people want to connect with you, where can they do that? They can uh, visit our website at www.cepro.com. Excellent. Thanks again. Stephen, always a pleasure, um, mostly. When or if people want to connect with you, where can they do that, bud? Uh, you can find me at uh, ProAudio underscore GA on Twitter. ProAudioGeorgia.com on the interwebs and uh, pretty much everywhere. Just uh, Google Stephen Bronner. And uh, I, if you need something, call me. I love to talk to other integrators. Excellent. Thanks again for being here. Andre, my good friend, thanks again for joining us. If people want to connect with you, where is the best location to do that? LinkedIn or Twitter at Andre Lalonde. No problems. Happy to answer any questions and any commentary. Beautiful. Thanks again, gentlemen, for joining us. Uh, if you are in the U.S., happy Thanksgiving. This is going to be airing the day before, so enjoy. I know I'll be taking the day off to watch football and eat turkey and do all kinds of fun stuff, uh, so hopefully you are as well. Uh, but thanks again for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as, well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.